Got your prop there, Phil. <laughs> just thirsty. I thought I'd just uh, start by introducing you to the church. Uh, I know that you're going to say a little bit about Evangelical Alliance yeah. and, and what you do um, as part of your talk, but um, when we first met, I rang up Evangelical Alliance as one of our mission partners, my previous church, um, because I've been given the name of this person I'd never heard of, uh, and you, were, you just started the job, mm. hadn't you, um, as a representative for young adults. Yeah. Phil came along to our church. I can tell you a couple of things about him. One, he's a, an enthusiastic and brilliant speaker, and secondly, he sings louder than anybody I've ever heard. <laughs> Even with a mask. Even with a mask, yeah, yeah. So, um, Evangelical Alliance, you, what, a couple of years in now, are you really enjoying it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, hi, everybody. It's great to be with you. Um, I've always I became a Christian when I was six years old. All I've ever wanted to do is see other people become Christians. And so being part of an organisation that seeks to make Jesus known across the UK is just the best thing ever. So I find my place within that. But yeah, yeah love that. I've seen loads of people come to faith. Um, but also, more excitingly, actually, I, I recognise, as well as being an evangelist, I'm a missiologist, which means I study how people come to faith. And the way most people come to faith in the UK today is through a friend, a family member, a neighbour or a colleague. So I, I would get even more excited about seeing Christians equipped and inspired to share their faith, which is why I'm so delighted you're running Alpha. If you're not doing Alpha, if you're not going already, get yourself along there, invite a friend, it'd be great. <laughs> you're also an author, this is my copy, and you're giving them away today, for people who, who join the Evangelical Alliance. Yeah. It's a brilliant book, if you haven't read it already, Story Bearer, How to Share Your Faith. Um, really, uh, really honest, lots of Phil stories in there. Um, but you're also um, a bit of a performance poet as well, aren't you? Now you and again. Tell us a bit yeah. about that. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I heard a quote about um, probably 10, 15 years ago now, which said that the future belongs to the poets and the storytellers. And I've always loved stories. The book's about stories, and that in faith sharing, actually, the best thing we can do is share our story about what God's done. And so the book helps you put together your story. So if someone says, why well, you're a Christian, you can tell your story. Um, so I love stories, but, but the poetry thing I'd never done before, but recognised it was a way that people were connecting with culture. And so just began to, I, just, I basically went to a Starbucks and said, um, other coffee shops are available. Um, so I just said to the Lord, you know, I'd really like to communicate in poetry. And it was like a kind of download from the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. So I wrote my first piece and since then written a few more. Um, and most recently wrote, wrote one called Lament, which talked about oh, the kind of pain and the challenge that we've been through during this last season. And that was downloaded in kind of April last year by about a thousand churches used in services and, uh, and even, even won a Christian music award, which is, which is ridiculous to my family. Um, but, um, but, th but just was uh, that way of just connecting with yeah. culture in a way that, yeah, so that was that. Was that. Yeah. Brilliant. You're about to unpack the word for us now. Let me pray for you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Phil. We thank you for bringing him to us today. Uh, we thank you for his preparation for today and put your words in his mouth and open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's absolutely amazing uh, to be with you this morning. Um, I, was, I, thought of, I thought about the, the joy of being together in 3D as I drove down the motorway this morning. I've done a lot of church in the last couple of years in my living room on 2D. I thought, I'm going to see real people today. I got really excited. Um, it was reminding me of a time a couple of years ago when I went to the cinema with a friend of mine, and we'd done it properly. I'm talking 3D with the glasses, the immersive experience, IMAX moment. And um, on the way out, there were these two young people in front of us, proper cool, and uh, one said to the other, he said, yo, 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 that film was sick, which I think means good. 
And um, the other one turns around, it's absolutely true, and he goes, I know, the movie, the, the 3D. And the other one turns around, it's absolutely true, and he said, can you imagine if the whole world was in 3D? <laughs> it's great, isn't it great to be in 3D? Sorry to those of you watching at home, by the way, 3D people are great too. Um, and, um, uh, but, but also I was thinking, it's great not to be together, but isn't it also brilliant as Christians to be good news people in a bad news world? My app on my phone that tells me the news is full of bad news, yet we as Christians are good news people. And that's why, another answer to Doug's question about why it's brilliant to work for the Evangelical Alliance, is that as evangelicals, we are good news people. That's what evangelical means. And we're an alliance of evangelicals because we believe that as Christians, we need to be united and together. That's, what the, that's why I love working for the, for the EA. And... Um, if you're also not sure what else an evangelical is, an evangelical believes in the Bible. We want to see our culture transformed with the word of God, not the other way around. We believe in Jesus, that his life and his death and his resurrection was the most important thing in the whole of human history. We believe in conversion, that the most important decision anyone can ever make is to choose to follow Jesus or not. And we believe in activism. We want to see the world become more like the kingdom. That's why we do street pastors and Christians against poverty and groups for young people and old people and want to see... God's kingdom come and hope brought to the hopeless all over the UK. So that's what we're about. And, and I'd love to invite you today, if you're not already an individual member of the Evangelical Alliance, this church is a mission partner, which is great, but individual membership is really, really important. We're a membership organisation, tens of thousands of, of individuals, thousands of, organi- of, of churches and hundreds of organisations. And um, the reason individual membership matters um, is because we speak up at the highest levels of government on, on issues that really matter to Christians. So during the pandemic, as the church has been making such a difference in society, we've told the government quite what the church has been doing, and they've been amazed. But they often say, how big are you? And we have to give a number as to the number of members we have. So if you're not already an EA member, I would love to invite you to become one um, today. In fact, I'd urge you to become one, because it really makes a difference um, in this time at the moment. Another quick example of that, a couple of years ago, there was a bill going through Parliament that would have enabled Ofsted to come into every Sunday school and youth group in Britain and essentially vet what was being said. We really fight for free speech and the ability for Christians to share faith with those around them. So we said, actually, that's, that's just not on. That sounds like more, more like North Korea than the UK. So we spoke up, and I'm delighted to say, as a result of our intervention, that bill was dropped for now. But membership costs £3 a month. If you're part of a couple, you can join for both of you for £3 a month, and we get to speak on behalf of both of you. As a thank you, as Doug mentioned, if you're able to join, I'll give you a free copy of my book. Um, I'll give you a little, book on, um, you, a little Bible study on unity. And if it swings the deal... I've even got a little EA trolley coin, which you can pop on your key ring and you can pray for unity of good news Christians in a bad news world. Please do come and see me at the end. I'll give you a little form like this. You pop your details in. Also, if you're not ready to quite join us, I'll sell you my book for a fiver, RRP99. Can't say fairer than that. Let's pray, shall we, that God would speak to us today. Father, we love you. Thank you that we are good news people today. We pray for the unity of your church. We pray that the UK might know that Jesus is alive. And would you speak to us today? In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that the Bible is real about life. I love the Psalms, the way David pours out his heart, and he's real. And the passage that's so beautifully been read to us this morning is a real passage. Because Paul compares us to jars of clay. Now, that is not a flattering comparison. By the way, I'm also not that strong. This isn't a jar of clay, it's a jar of plastic. But so often, how often can we be like this at church? We can portray something that isn't quite the reality of how we're doing, and no matter how many people ask us how we're doing, we say we're fine, even if inside we're dying. 
Paul's brutal assessment of our condition doesn't just end at broken, fragile, cracked jars of clay. He goes on. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Anyone else feel hard-pressed this morning? Can I get an amen? Amen. It's like a response at the end of a talk. We are hard-pressed by, by, by the challenges of life and work and family and church. He goes on. We're perplexed. Throughout the pandemic, we've been asking the question, what is going on? Gets worse, verse 9, persecuted. Now, we're not persecuted like some of our brothers and sisters around the world. Imagine being a Christian in Afghanistan this morning. And yet, Bible-believing Christians in this country, there's an increasing chill factor towards us. He goes on. We are struck down. Now, Bible commentators recognise that this struck down, a better translation, is depressed. Paul is not in a good place. And yet these words are even more extraordinary. We're jars of clay, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. They're even more extraordinary when we consider who wrote them, because this is Paul. He's like a super-Christian. At the time of writing, he's responsible for this explosive church growth across Europe and the Middle East. And yet he's clearly not in a good place. And my first encouragement to us as a church, and I I believe in the UK, we need to get this right. It's okay not to be okay. We need to be real because scripture is real with God, with ourselves and with one another. And maybe the first kind of response for you today is to think about if you are not okay, who do you need to talk to? First of all, maybe you need to talk to God, but maybe you also need to find a friend and say, I'm really struggling, will you pray with me? Okay not to be okay. I'm an evangelist, so giving bad news is really hard. But here's the good news. We are not okay like those who don't know Jesus are not okay. There's a difference between us being not okay and, and, and someone who doesn't know Jesus being okay. And the difference comes in the first five words of this passage. But we have this treasure. We're not just jars of clay. Cracked, easily broken, fragile. Because inside the jar of clay is a treasure. Because if we know Jesus, there is hope in our hearts. And that hope in our hearts is the most important thing about us. It determines our destiny, its forgiveness for our past, his presence in our present and hope for the future. But here's the thing with hope. It's got to be in the right place. It's got to be in the right direction. Just before Christmas, I saw an advert saying that there was hope in baking. Now, I love my food but we need to put our hope in the right direction. Here's a little video clip that illustrates this perfectly. Uh, Step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in, and we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall, okay? One, two, three. No, no, no! Bring it back, bring it back. I want us to be really clear this morning, and and hear me right on this one. Our deepest hope as Christians is not in a vaccine. It's not in the NHS. It's not in herd immunity. It's not in a new normal, an old normal, or going back to normal. Our deepest hope as Christians has a name, and his name is Jesus. We are hope people. We are Jesus people. Billy Graham says, I've read the last page of the Bible. Do you know what? It all turns out all right. We are hope people. 
And I've seen this worked out recently in, in, in my two of my favourite family members. Are you allowed favourite family members? Well, I've got two. The first is my nine-year-old son, uh, married to a girl called Danny. We've got two boys, Caleb, who's nine, Joss, who's three. And Caleb, um, recently, due through the pandemic, we were reading the Chronicles of Narnia at bedtime. And um, when my book came out, by the way, the book came out in the worst possible week to launch a book, day when all the bookshops closed, uh, when, the, when lockdown started. Do you know what's done surprisingly well, so I'm delighted. But um, Caleb wanted to read my book. And um, which in, in retrospect was a bit of a mistake because I talk about many stories during my teenage years which I was hoping he would be a bit older till he found out about. But we read my book together and, and the book's about kind of one of the things it, it challenges us to do is write a list of people who don't know Jesus yet and pray for them. So Caleb's really popular and really ambitious so he decides to start praying for his whole class to become Christians. And then one day he comes back from school once we finished Zoom school which was a nightmare. He comes back and he says, Daddy! Something amazing's happened. Jacob's become a Christian. I'm like, wow. I said, tell me what happened. He said, well, I went up to Jacob and I said, do you want to live forever? <laughs> Jacob says, yes. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Caleb says, all right then, you've got to become a Christian. Jacob says, okay. Caleb says, all right, you're now a Christian. Now, for the record, that's not how the book says to do evangelism. And if he's, and if he's doing evangelism like that when he's 29, not nine, we've got a problem but it shows you the hope in his heart. There is no plan B. Paul writes in verse 13 of this passage, it's written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. When we are hope people, the cracks and the brokenness in our lives often mean that the treasure spills out, that the light shines out of the cracks, and we bring hope to the world around us. But there's also something amazing that happens that I think Paul makes the connection between in this passage in our brokenness, in our vulnerability, and in our struggle. That's often where God is at his strongest. As we struggle, as we are hard-pressed and perplexed, persecuted and struck down, God's doing something amazing in us. Paul writes in Romans 5 that it's, it's suffering that produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. But also God does something amazing through us. Because there's a holy connection in Scripture between death and life. The cross is about Jesus dying so that we might have life. And in our weakness, God does something amazing. I've witnessed this recently, most recently through my mum, who um, just before the pandemic started, we found out that her cancer diagnosis was terminal. And so for the first few months of lockdown, I would go and stand at the end of mum's drive and, and watch her every day physically deteriorating. Physically, she was wasting away, yet inwardly she was being renewed day by day. Because every day I would see her become spiritually stronger. The hope, the certainty of her destiny became stronger in her heart. And, and then a few days before her, she died, she recorded a video to be played at her funeral. She was determined to always have the last word. <laughs> and if you, ever, if you ever know you're gonna die, I, my encouragement is do a little video to encourage your friends, especially if you've got faith and you know where you go. Because this video was played at a Zoom funeral, we weren't able to do a proper funeral in person, so we did a Zoom funeral, about 400 people turned up. Many of whom didn't know Jesus. And mum got to communicate the hope in her heart, the treasure in her jar of clay with those people. And as a son, I was determined to have the last word. So as the evangelist, I did a little appeal afterwards. 
And immediately after the service finished, I pulled my phone out to receive a text from a friend who mum had prayed for for many years, saying, Phil, I prayed with you. I believe Jesus died for me. And here's the encouragement. You will never know the impact of most of the prayers that you pray. The things that you do, you might never know the impact. That's why Paul encourages us not to fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. And the great news is we all get a part to play in that. The last wedding I went to in real life before the pandemic. Do you remember, do you remember weddings in real life? Remember those? The last one I went to was like a really posh wedding. I felt completely out of place. I was there on my own, didn't know anybody. The canapes looked so posh, I didn't want to eat them. And um, then this guy rings a bell and we go through to these immaculately decorated tables. And on each table there was just a mountain of cutlery, more that's in my drawers per place. And everyone's name was written in this beautiful calligraphied writing. And I turn up and I do that thing when you arrive at a wedding and I was looking for my place and walked up and down these tables desperately trying to find my name. Couldn't find it anywhere. So my heart rate starts going, I'm sweating more more than usual, I I eventually um, decide it's less embarrassing to basically go home because I can't find where I am than actually just kind of go to the bride and say, excuse me, where's my place? So I decide to go home, I'm I'm, I'm about to put in the sat-nav my postcode to get home and then suddenly I remember that my friend asked me for diet requirements and I thought the canapes were great but I reckon I might might be getting a meal. So I decided to go back and so I had one last look round. So I get back to the reception. I'm doing one last lap. Everyone sat down. Grace has been said. It's really embarrassing. And, and, and suddenly I see it and my name has never looked more beautiful. I was like, oh, I wanted to tell people. Come on. I had a place at the table. Do you know what's even more beautiful? I think this is why I missed it. It was with the family. We all have a part to play. We all have a place at the table in bringing hope to the world. And it's with the family. Because the family business of the church is that this treasure in our hearts, in this jar of clay, is for the whole world. And we get a part to play in bringing hope into hopelessness, light into darkness, treasure to the poor, and life to the dying. So today, my encouragement to you is that it's okay not to be okay. Be real with God, with yourself and with others. Know that the hope and the treasure in your heart is the most important thing about you. And that you have a part to play in the family of God in bringing it to the world. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for this encouragement today. May we know the hope in our hearts. And if you don't know that hope today, my invitation to you is that you can do. Maybe Alpha's a good place to start. Or maybe even today you want to say, God, I'm sorry where I've got it wrong. I want to trust you. Thank you that the death and the resurrection of Jesus means that I can know God for myself and put my hope in the right direction. Maybe for some of us, today's challenge is to be real. And maybe your response today is to have the courage to say to somebody, can I talk to you and will you pray with me? 
but Lord, help us never to count ourselves out of having a part to play. Thank you that in our weakness, you are strong. And would we be hope bringers to the world around us? In Jesus' name, amen.